1: This is the GM Shuffle. The worst place you could be is where the Giants are. It's where the Vikings have been. It's where these teams that have no chance, it's where the it's where the the the, the Browns are headed. It's when you overpay for that one player and you're still not good enough. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and V Here is Femi of
0: Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, the trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday, and this will be our episode that sort of sets the table heading into the weekend with one more weekend of games before the moving and the shaking starts to begin here. But uh, on the surface, do you see this being an active trade deadline? We know the NFL sometimes can be hit or miss with teams uh, looking to make some moves but at the right price.
1: Well, I I think a lot of it is predicated on price, right? A lot of it is predicated on the frame of mind that your team has, you know, what is your team's frame of mind? Where do you think you're going? As I wrote about this week, there's so many teams, there's 19 teams that are 500 or below. Right. And so like, what is your frame of mind? And, and so much of investment to me, Femi, is a lot like running an NFL team, which is why I have a hard time understanding why David Tepper hasn't figured this all out because he's one of the greatest hedge fund men in the world. But I think what what happens to everybody is, is especially around the trade deadline, is they don't evaluate their team correctly. Like, for example, Femi, Mm -hmm. would you say Buffalo is an above-average team, a great team, an excellent team, a good team, or a below-average team?
0: I would say Buffalo is really good with the potential to be great.
1: Okay, well, I, I think Buffalo is an average to below-average team with really? a great quarterback. Oh, with you didn't let me fit with a great quarterback. Like gotcha. you don't give up 5.3 yards a carry to a team, you know, and think that it, you're a really great team. You don't, you know that ab, that wasn't an aberration that they. They lost, almost lost to the Giants. It wasn't an aberration that New England beat them because they're, they're, you know, they've lost a lot of players to injury. So, what I think my point of bringing this up is they're, st- they're a, a, a good team because they have an elite player playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. If you took him off their team, what do you think their record would be?
0: Yeah, that's a different story there. <laughs> it's probably okay. a 500 kind of ball club, you'd think. 500.
1: Peyton Manning was ten and six. Got his neck injured. The next year, with the same staff, the same team, everything, they went two and fourteen. Five hundred? No, 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 not five hundred. No chance. So, wh- why I'm going with this thing is what I think people make the biggest mistake of, and why it should relate to the trade deadline is, and and trust me, I've been here. I've made the mistake. Like it's only through years of reading about the investments and about decision making that that I've kind of come to this conclusion where is to me if you if you took if you made Warren Buffett the president of the Raiders let's say he would say okay we've paid a lot of money for a middle of the road quarterback wouldn't we be better off building mm-hmm. this thing out and not selling all our assets but having a chance to have a top 5 pick i mean what people forget about and I'm not defending the Raiders this year at all. I'm not. Is Kyle Shanahan is nine games over 500 as a head coach. His first two seasons, he won 10 games. But what, where the difference between Kyle and Jed York and Prague is they basically took that Buffett approach that here's what we're going to do over a long extended period. We're not going to overpay. And they, they got lucky with Garoppolo in terms of that trade but they built the team around an average quarterback and when they wanted to get great they tried to get great. And so the worst place you could be, the worst place you could be is where the Giants are. It's where the Vikings have been. It's where these teams that have no chance, it's where the it's where the the the, the, the Browns are headed. It's when you overpay for that one player and you're still not good enough. And so now your team, you, look, you're, you don't look like you're in the bottom pack, but you're clearly not going to get to the top. So to me, what, what, what I think, and, and the hard part is, the really challenging part is, you got all these outside forces killing you. So you settle for mediocrity. You don't settle for something great.
0: And with that, I mean, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the teams that should be looking to become great at the trade deadline. Like, who do you think should be active? Like, you mentioned Buffalo. You believe that this is an, an average football team with a special player at quarterback. Should a team like the Buffalo Bills be active this trade deadline to help out particularly a defense that got gashed against New England, who has struggled so far this year offensively?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I my, my answer to that is, I think to me, Buffalo has to play a certain way. They have to play from in front. They can't. The reason they give up 5.3 yards per carry is because they're always in a nickel defense. You know, and because they've been picking so low in the draft, they probably would be probably better off to trade some assets for a, a proven player because they're not going to get as good a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, but when you break like, OK, let me ask you this question. I, I don't think the Raiders are a very talented team. They have a great receiver. They have a great they have a great defensive end you know, but they don't have a great quarterback. So the Raiders have, the, and they have a left tackle. Well, Buffalo has a left tackle in Dawkins. Do you think the rest of their line's great? I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if Josh Allen wasn't going to get sacked, he, if he wasn't so hard to tackle, he'd have been sacked eight times last week. They've got a great receiver in Diggs. They probably have a better number two than anybody else has. Their running backs aren't as good as Josh Jacobs, and their offensive line is just probably about the same, give or take, right? Defensively, they have the Ed Oliver. Bob Miller's not the same player he once was, coming back off the injury. So, and their secondary, the, you know, clearly Buffalo's better than they are. But Buffalo plays from the lead. But the difference between the two teams is not that great. The difference is the quarterbacks, great. And so, what I'm saying is, if I were Denver or if I was in Las Vegas, I would be saying, "Look, let's try to let's let's try to get this thing fixed the right way, like Kyle did, like the 49ers did." Let's lay this thing out as opposed to being short-sighted, you know, and and the fact that other people agree or disagree with the team, that doesn't prove us right or wrong, right? It, it only proves us right or wrong if we're headed in the right direction. And I think that's really where the biggest problem is with this trade-out. Look, as I wrote about, Femi, you don't have to worry about tanking, right? You don't have to worry about tanking because if you don't have a quarterback, you're going to tank. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't say, "Well, the Raiders should tank." Well, I mean, if if they have to play Hoyer or O'Connell again, they don't they don't need to worry about tanking. They're they're not going to win. It's going to be hard. And if they win, it'll be fortunate. Denver, you know, they're playing Russell. Are they worried about tank? They're not tanking. They're trying to win, but their defense is bad. It's gotten better, but so my point here is, I think there's a better way. I think if you took a Buffett approach to building a team, don't overpay for good. You know, don't do what everybody else is doing, and stay away from. M- give yourself options as you move forward. I mean, remember this: when Buffett went, when when the dot com business went into play back in the early two thousands or late nineteen nineties, mm-hmm. everybody said Buffett was too old. He was he he didn't know what he was doing because he didn't partake in the dot com craze. Called him old school. All of a sudden, the bubble burst. He was a genius again. So my point is, is I think to me, it's really, unless you have your owner on board with you to do this, you've got a better chance of, of winning than if you keep trying to aid it together.
0: Well, that leads me then to the Tennessee Titans, who we saw earlier this week, Trade former All Pro safety Kevin Bayer to the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is a Titans team that has been struggling and talking about band aids. Now their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Likely going to be Will Levis starting at quarterback this week. And they said that maybe Malik Willis could play, but I would be surprised if he plays as well in the game. I think we're going to see Levis on the way uh, all the way here in this game coming up against the Falcons. But for Tennessee, like, do you like what they did here? And just saying, all right, like, we're not going to be a team that can compete this year with what we have. Let's go ahead and start trying to. rebuild this thing for the future by trading away one of their better players and Kevin Byard?
1: I mean, the only way they're going to get good is to they have to get one of those great players. They've got to get one, you know, or they got to do what Philly did is make one. I mean, you know, when Philly turned the card in for Hurts, they didn't think he was a great player. They thought he had potential. I mean, sometimes it happens. I mean, when the Patriots drafted Brady in the sixth round, they didn't think he was going to be an elite player. It does. I mean, you need to get that. I mean, Tennessee's – if Tennessee had Josh Allen, how good would they be?
0: Division I mean, favorites. how good
1: would they be? Yeah. I know people are going to say, "There's no way." You know, Buffalo is really a, no Buffalo is a. You know, I'm talking about the the quarterback. I'm going to remind everybody: the quarterback is a great deodorant for what's wrong with your team. Right, mm-hmm. he hides all the, a great quarterback. Now, an average quarterback can't hide all those sins. An elite one can, right? And so, I think that's where if you're Tennessee. You know, you didn't redo, you did not redo Tannehill's deal. You kept his cap number the same. So you're moving on to him. Find out about Levis, see what you have with him for the remainder of the season, and go from there. You're not trying to tank, but you you clearly are not in a position to win games because it's hard to win NFL games because the last 10 minutes of the game, your quarterback has to make plays. I mean, the Houston Texans are a perfect example, right? Last year, at the last 10 minutes, they were a 50 minute team. At the last 10 minutes of the game, they couldn't make a play and they lost. I called them a 50 minute team. And everybody said they're talentless. Well, they really weren't. None of these teams are talentless, right? They just don't have the, the one player that elevates everybody else's skill set. They just don't have that. And I think if you're Tennessee, you'd be smart to do that. You got to repair your lines. You got, you know, if Tart comes back, that helps but winning games is a good thing for your morale, but you're going to have to figure out if, if Levis is good and wins games, then you're like Kyle was okay. I got Garoppolo and he's winning games Mm -hmm. for me. I'm going with pretty easy.
0: Yeah, and that's what the 49ers figured out at the end of that 2017 season where I think they won like was it five straight games to end the year might have been six straight games to end the season and then in 2018 Garoppolo then tears his ACL unfortunately which positioned them to go ahead and draft Nick Bosa and now here we are (laughs) with a really talented roster here Uh, on the on the Eagles side of things though because it sounds like the Eagles might not be done GM Harry Roseman getting a lot of praise this week to go ahead and bolster that safety position where they've had a number of injuries Reed Blankenship being the biggest one there Uh, what do you make of this trade for the Eagles going forward as the kind of the rich get richer here in the NFC
1: well I mean look the the Titans secondary was suspect I like Bayard as a player he once was a really good player I think he'll be a good player for this team again because why their defensive line's so good and he's smart he's instinctive he knows how to play he's certainly going to help them. see how he's in a unique position because he's got two really good lines and he's got a quarterback who I'm not sure is 100 healthy just watching him move around yeah I don't know about that we'll talk about that after the break but To me he's in a different situation because he can buy low on stock pricing because he's got a good company
0: yeah it's it's definitely playing from a position of advantage there are the philadelphia eagles and howie roseman and they made sure to go ahead and bolster up that secondary we'll talk more eagles and we'll talk about some other teams that could be potential sellers and of course the buyers at tuesday's trade deadline this is the gm show 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. As we were heading to break, Michael, you mentioned something about Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles who recently acquired Kevin Byard from the Tennessee Titans here. Uh, are, Are you bullish on Philly going forward? I mean, how could you not be acquiring another really good safety? But their quarterback seems to be a little bit compromised with the knee issue that he says is no big deal, but when you watch the tape and you watch the games there, it looks like he's a little bit compromised.
1: It does. And you know, it's confusing because when you watch him, right, you say, Oh, he doesn't look a hundred percent, but then they don't mind calling runs for him. So like, well, if you think he's hurt, like, why would you call a run for him? You know, I mean like right, Brock Purdy on that quarterback sneak, he gets a concussion. You know, you wonder why he didn't play as well. I don't know. You know? So I, I think to me, you know, there's mixed signals. When I watch him, he doesn't look, he doesn't look himself right. He doesn't look like he's the same player that he once was, but he's still fighting through it. He's a tough kid and he's going to keep playing through it. So, yeah, I mean, I think they could use to buy, but they got a tough stretch coming up ahead of them. I mean, let's face it. They've got a lot of tough games where they've got to play, you know, against really good teams and the wear and tear of this, and they've had, this is the, this year they've been injured more than they probably have last year at any point. I mean, we know Lane Johnson fought through the bad ankle and he played last week. I don't think he he he's playing but he's not as good as he typically was. I mean, they go Dallas, they got the bye, which will be good. Then they go Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle. A pretty mm. tough stretch.
0: Yeah, that's a really tough stretch there. So it's you see why the Eagles are loading up here at the trade deadline. Howie Roseman apparently is not done. So we'll see what happens between now and Halloween, Tuesday, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, when the NFL trade deadline hits here. But let's go over some of these other sellers. And I actually made up a list here of potential sellers, just as you did as well when I was doing my homework on this yesterday. And in my list, I had the Patriots, Titans, Raiders, Raiders. Broncos, Commanders, Panthers, and I also put on because I think you can make an argument for this one just based on how things have been going this season. I put the Chargers on my list as a potential sellers here, just going with the with where this is headed with with the LA Chargers. But uh, what, what do you think of that list of potential sellers here at the trade deadline?
1: Well, I think look, a lot of it comes back to cash, right? So you know, the teams want to dump a contract. The teams want to get rid of a of a guy and pick up an asset. I mean, at the end of the day. Like the mob, the NFL is a business, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, people think the mob's all television. It's a business, right? They run it. They have meetings. They do things. Their bottom lines are important. Same thing with the NFL. And the three teams that have spent the most cash this year are Cleveland, the Jets, and Houston. Now, why Houston has spent that much money, I don't know. Because they're a young team with a quarterback, mm-hmm. but they have spent a lot of money. And Buffalo and Dallas have spent a lot of money. But when you bring up New England, New England is one of the lowest spending teams in the league. I mean, New England is really low in terms of what they've been able to spend. Only the Rams spend less than New England and the Packers because the Rams can't spend money because they got they're so tight to the cap. They've been spending money for so long, they can't spend. Same thing with Tampa. Same thing with Green Bay. They you know, these teams they get into these traps. They can't spend any money. You know, they've made their run. And now that now that the things do, it, it, it all comes, everything kind of comes even. So New England's got a ton of cap room and I can't imagine that they would trade any good young player for more assets because I think New England has, I know nobody agrees with this, but I think New England <laughs> last week, they finally got their offensive line to play better. They got a good team. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, the quarterback, now he played better last week, but they're not anywhere near and they've got a lot of injuries. So this isn't doom and gloom. I, I think oftentimes there's such a reaction between what's really bad and what's really good. Like, for example, right? I mean, I just think about this. We You would acknowledge that San Francisco is really good. Of okay? You would acknowledge that, yeah, of right? Of course. Yeah, who wouldn't? Okay. Well, if they're so good, right, then how come Kyle Shanahan's 0-36 when trailing by eight points going in the fourth quarter? <laughs> I mean— why is that? If they're so good and such a dominant team, why is that? Why can't they make up a set eight-point game?
0: Well, maybe they haven't had the quarterback to help them do that.
1: Maybe. That's a good point. I mean, I'll accept that. But I think sometimes we over it's no the real answer is style of play. If they play their style, they're really good. If they don't play their style, they're not as good. Right? Everybody says Brendan Staley, because he goes for it on fourth down is a genius coach. He's tremendous. Have they gotten any better with Brendan Staley? I mean, with Anthony Lynn, they were thirty-three and thirty-one. With Boy Wonder, they're twenty-one and nineteen. At least Anthony Lynn won a playoff game.
0: Yeah, you can argue. I mean, that so worse.
1: my my point is 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 people don't evaluate the team; they evaluate the record. They don't evaluate the team. And at the trading deadline, I think you got to you got to evaluate the team. You got to say, okay, here's where we are. Here's where we're going. This is our team. And if we add this quarterback to this team, we could be really good. Whoa. We could be a lot better. And, and this notion of, well, if we add a coach, if we change coaches, okay, Washington fires Scott Turner. They bring in the The media thinks this is the greatest thing you could have ever possibly done, right? Everybody applauds it because it's been unfair that the hasn't had a head coaching job, right? I mean, everybody writes that. Everybody says it's unfair. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Has Washington's offense improved with P over Turner?
0: Well, no, I mean, they, they can't even block <laughs> they have a, they have a it's the same so
1: line. They've yeah. actually put money into the line to give you an answer. They spent more money on the line, right? They spent more money on the line last year with this, with Leno at left tackle and some other guys, they got sacked 8% of the time this year. They get sacked 13% of the throws. He's trying to throw the ball down the field and he can't block the, the routes are down the field. If you want to if you want to watch a tape on how to attack a protection scheme, put that tape on. Put that tape. Watch Washington. And I said this why I liked Washington in the game. I said it last week. They will not block the Giants front because he'll be able to run picks and schemes to be able to get to the quarterback. And cars, I mean, and this poor kid's going kid. to get killed. Hal's going to get killed. Last year they were 35% on third down. Scott Turner, get the hell out of here. You're no good. You know what they are this year? What are they? Twenty-nine percent. Twenty-nine percent. So like 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 sometimes you just people think replacing the coach is gonna solve the problem. And I'm not blaming all this on on the enemy. I am to a degree when you think about it. I mean the enemy's thirtieth in the league in calling runs. He's thirteenth in the league in, in yards per rush. Last year they were fourth in the league in calling runs because he was trying to manage the game. It didn't look good, but he was trying to manage the game. Now they're not trying to manage the game. They're throwing pass every down. He was happy when he threw 55 straight passes. Meanwhile, if I was Sam Howe's parents, I would be calling Ron Rivera on the phone and say, are you going to protect my kid or what?
0: Well, he said Andy Reid's proud of him, so we got that going for us in in Washington, D.C. Uh, Before we get to the buyers here, I want to evaluate this team because we saw them play a phenomenal game Monday night. That's the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people thought when Justin Jefferson went down with the hamstring injury that the Vikings would be sellers at the trade deadline. There was talks of trading Kirk Cousins, but he now has said he's not going to waive the no trade clause. There's been talks of trading Daniil Hunter. But... Right now, when you look at the Vikings, they're still in the thick of this NFC wildcard race. And not to just evaluate the record, but to evaluate the team. What do you think Minnesota should do here at the trade deadline? Do they stand pat or do they not let Monday night's result affect
1: what they want to do? Like, how do they kind of sort this out? I think Minnesota is smart enough to know they're not a Super Bowl caliber team. And they could be the seventh seed just like the Giants were. Except I think Minnesota will be more realistic uh, in terms of understanding that they're not a, a legitimate team. Like they're gonna have to fix some things. Like they're gonna have to. And you know, Hunter's contract, you know, is is tradable because it's only one year. He voids. So what are they getting back if they trade him? Who's gonna are they gonna trade, are they gonna trade something great for somebody gonna give up a second round and a third round pick for him? Because they'll get a compensatory pick for him if they don't sign him. So that's the balance there. That's the rub. But one thing we do know about Minnesota is they've got sixty-two million of dead money sitting there. So they've already told us who they are. They want to rebuild. Excuse me, 42 million of dead money. We we they've already, they told us they want to rebuild. So we know who they are. Now if somebody comes to them and says, "Hey, we'll give you a 2 and a 3 for Hunter like Von Miller went from Denver to the Rams." Okay, I'm sure they're going to say, "Yeah."
0: Yeah. I mean, it would require that because anyway, I mean, Bradley Chubb went for a freaking first round pick, for God's sake. Like, Daniel Hunter has been a better player than him. He leads the league in sacks, by the way. Like, Daniil Hunter has been awesome so far this season, despite the, the record not being there for the opportunities. In terms of the buyers, Michael, here's the list that I put together of potential buyers. So we talked about Buffalo. They're on the list. I have Cincinnati on the list as a potential buyer. Jacksonville, I know they've been looking for pass rush. Uh, I mean, they haven't really been happy with Trayvon Walker and what he's been doing so far here, although he played well this past game there. Uh, Philadelphia, clearly, they already did buy it. They might buy some more. I have Dallas. I have Detroit. I have San Francisco. I have Seattle. And then one that is curious that, like, I don't think the team is very good, but they're in position to maybe win their division, and that's the Atlanta Falcons if they want to buy some more help
1: here. What do you make of
0: that list of potential buyers here at the deadline?
1: Well, who's available? Like, who would you sign for Atlanta if you could get Daniel Hunter? Because Atlanta can't get pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, Atlanta's a good defense. But what do you got to give up to get that? Jacksonville's the same thing, right? You've re- yeah. So you're what you're saying, if you sign Hunter, you got to have cap room next year to get him. And can you re-sign him? Or, and you're giving up assets you know, you're giving up assets for them to the future. It's like everybody says, who's going to be like Cincinnati, Mike Brown? He's not, I mean, I can't imagine Mike Mike Brown's not making a tr- – Mike Brown wants to get his team better, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to try to get his team better. Uh, you know, the 49ers have a ton of cap room. They do. Would they trade for Danielle Hunter? I mean, if I were the 49ers, I would. Yeah, I mean, Randy Gregory went in there and just all of a sudden was, you know, you add more strength to that defensive front. I'd do that in a minute. Yeah. I mean, if I, I mean, they got a ton of cap room, San Francisco, they could afford Danielle Hunter next year. Cause remember they're playing purdy on a seventh round contract that they can't touch. So you might as well try to do it. I mean, what are you going to get at the bottom of the first round? If you're San Francisco.
0: Yeah. Not somebody that's as good as Daniel Hunter in 2024. That's for sure. <laughs> like right, so you,
1: you trade for Danielle Hunter. If you're San Francisco, you get a, you give up, say you give up your one, you're giving up somewhere between 28 and 32 you know, the Eagles don't have that kind of cap room. They got to do some maneuvering around to do that. I mean, you know, I think to me, that's that's when it all starts to make sense. Would you do that? Yeah. I mean, I think to me, that's – I'm a big believer in strength on strength. Add to the strength of your team.
0: What about my crazy team, the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, they said that if they are not going to make phone calls, but they're, they're – If really I were
1: Dallas, if I were Tennessee, I would dangle – henry in front of dallas because mm. if you trade for derrick henry you've got to be committed to running the football right and dallas wants to run the ball and i think dallas would that would be interesting to dallas not not because they want to bench pollard but because he would be a nice contract he would be a nice you know zig to pollard
0: Well, little thunder and lightning in dallas henry yeah. pollard in the backfield Derek Henry is on my list of potential notable players who could be dealt at the deadline. We will get to the other ones. There's some juicy names, and we'll see if we can find a home for these guys on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle here on the DraftKings Network. All right, we will get to the games at the end of the podcast here. Obviously, the marquee matchups on this week, 8 Slate. But, Michael, we got to talk about some potential players who could be changing teams at the deadline. Last year, we saw Christian McCaffrey go from Carolina to San Francisco. Look what that's done for the 49ers offense and how many games have they have been able to win since acquiring him. We hinted at Derrick Henry as a potential guy because the Tennessee Titans indicating that they're looking to sell here at the deadline. But here are some other notable names. I have some other ones, but here are some notable ones that I think could uh, get a jump out of some people and get people excited. Uh, Derrick Henry, Jerry Judy, his name has been bandied about on the trade deadline, Chase Young with the commanders kind of in flux here, Brian Burns, who's looking for a new contract, Justin Simmons of the Broncos, Buda Baker, who's looking for a new contract of the Arizona Cardinals, and then, of course, Daniel Hunter, who we talked about in the last segment. Uh, what do you make of those names as some notable guys who could be moved at the deadline?
1: Well, I, I, I would think it depends. Again, it depends on if somebody's willing to pay. But I, I think a name you missed. What about Hopkins? Mm. You know, his contract right here for Tennessee, if they go to the young player, right, mm-hmm. can he be happy playing there? I mean, and what could you get for him? Next year he's due to make eight point two million dollars, right? He's got it per game roster bonuses in there and he's got a workout bonus and all that. They've already paid the signing bonus. So like if ten if, if and if I know they signed Hardman in uh in Kansas City, but if Kansas City wanted Hopkins, I mean, why wouldn't they just give up a mid-round pick to get him? I think that would be cheaper than trying to sign Judy and then have it to pay that contract. Because at least with Hopkins, it's a two-year deal. You know what you're going to get. He's going to be a possession receiver, and he could really help you out in your receiving core. Plus, he'll play right away. You know, he's not going to get. You know, again, he's one of those guys who doesn't get. He's covered, but he's open. Yeah. So I I think that one, the Henry one, to me, it doesn't fit with Dallas to do that to Jerry. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a commitment. I mean, right now, that guy. You know, like I said, Dallas has paid a lot of money for this team. So, you know, when you look at Henry, his contract voids after this year and he's making $10 million over the remaining part of the season. So what do we've played seven games so far? We're in week eight. So he's got 11 game checks into $10 million. I mean, and then he voids at the end of the year. And so like, what would you be willing to give up to get him? I I think to me, he would only fit for certain teams, right? I can't imagine every team saying, okay, not that Henry's not a good player, but like I could see if Seattle didn't have the two good backs they have, I could see Pete wanting to do that. But those two backs are really good and they're young and they're cheap. So, I mean, the only team I could come up with for Henry was Dallas. What about you?
0: Yeah, Henry is an interesting one. I mean, like, I feel like at running back, you can make a case for pretty much anyone just like that doesn't have a bell cow guy or like that. Like I see why people are drawing the parallels to Derek Henry. I do get concerned, though, at at his age of trading and giving up assets for a guy like that who has a lot of wear and tear on the tires. Like, he's still a phenomenal player, and I guess you would have him in a reduced role, but he's 29 years old, heading into a free agent year. I don't know if I'd want to give up anything more than like a fifth round pick, and I don't think Tennessee would accept that. Like, I think they would want a little bit more for Derrick Henry.
1: How about Cleveland? You've already gone all in, you already lead the league in cash spent. I mean, and you've now Ford's hurt, Chubb's hurt. You're committed. You, you you got no quarterback. Right. I mean, let's be clear here. Right. I mean, at some point, you know, you're not going to win with with P.J. Walker really on a consistent basis. You have a championship level defense. Right. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, you know, you traded Joshua Dobbs away because you thought that Thompson Robinson was going to be the guy. But then you play you play one game and you're like, oh, wait a minute. He's a rookie. We can't play him. So with Hunt hurt, Ford hurt, Chubb hurt, I mean, Hen- you put Henry on this team. Forget about Watson. I, the, the biggest comedy of all is people saying, "Is Watson playing this week or not?" If you're in Seattle, you hope Watson plays. Honestly. you want him to play. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, th- I mean, that's how bad it is. You want him to play. So, like, uh, you know, this could be a salvation. Because here's what I do know about Cleveland. We talked about them earlier. About how they have no safety margin with with Deshaun because remember now Deshaun next year goes up to he takes about twenty five percent of the cap away. Oh. I think he has a sixty million dollar cap charge next year, and and just so we're on the record here, you they can't. There's no getting out of it, right? So when I when I talk about a safety margin about a player like Deshaun, like for all the analytical stuff that they talk about in in there, there whatever you make a decision, and again we've all made mistakes. I'm is what's our margin of safety in this decision, right? So let's apply it to Watson. What happens if we're wrong on Watson? We're screwed. The answer is we're screwed. Yep. In terms of the evaluation. What happens if we're wrong on the character of Watson? We're screwed. There's two answers. What happens if we're slightly wrong? We're still screwed. Yep. What happens if he becomes content and is happy with the guaranteed contract? We're really screwed. What happens if he gets injured? We're really screwed. What happens if he's going to miss another year because of injury? We're really like every answer. When you ask in the margin of safety rule, it falls. You you can't make the deal. Yeah. So the, the only chance they have to avoid this incredible disaster that they've walked down with this incredibly good defense that they have is they've got to figure out a way to make Thompson Robinson a good player. I mean, next year, Femi, $63 $63 million is what Watson counts on the cap. The year after, $63 million. Guess what? In 2026, guess what? $63, 63. Million. Yikes. Man. So my point here is if you trade for Henry and you try to develop the quarterback and knowing Chubb's probably, you know, he's going to miss some time, it, it might be able to salvage your season. It might. Is at least you know you're going to run the ball
0: yeah well maybe they call Tennessee for Hopkins like I know there was the talk about that before Hopkins ended up going to Tennessee that he and Watson wanted to reunite and, and play like how they played in Houston maybe that's another thing to help them bolster that wide receiver room there uh, but although I when I watch them play I don't feel like pass catchers is really a problem there it's kind of the, just the quarterback is has, has been, has no, been they, terrible. Can't,
1: oh, they can't make a play in the passing game that's the problem I mean he yeah. I mean, the first pass last week you know we both said I mean like Oh my God! I couldn't I mean, believe it i I think if I, I I don't know what Indianapolis thought, but I bet they probably felt like keep him in the game, you know we'd rather play him than P j Walker not that pJ's very good either, but at least you know and 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 of course the 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 NFL admitted that the calls were horrible. I love that. I love when they do that. <laughs> People lose their jobs. Guys have to – moving companies are coming. Kids have to change schools. And they write that, thank you very much. We're wrong. Okay, thank yeah. you very much. We so,
0: you. Sorry we missed that one. Oh, by the way, you still yeah. lose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you still gosh. lost and, oh, by the way uh, – You're going to get fired, too. Okay, thank
0: you. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Uh, Let's talk about some pass rushes, though. I mentioned Chase Young. His name has been talked about because they they did not pick up the fifth-year option, so he's entering a free agent year. But also, Montez Sweat is entering a free agent year as well, playing out the fifth year of his rookie deal. So the Commanders have two young edge players who have been productive so far this season. I feel like teams can come calling on at least one of them because there's no way that I I don't see how they keep both of those guys because one maybe gets the tag and the other one walks into unrestricted free agency next March like I feel like they, the team's got to start come calling on this one particularly maybe a team like Jacksonville who's looking for pass rush help
1: yeah I mean but again Chase Young's going to be a free agent you're going to franchise him you're going to keep him on your team next year right I mean you got to ask that question so, Montez Sweat he's, same he's, thing he's going to franchise this year, him he's really good Ch- well Chase Young's been you know I mean what's he have nine quarterback hits that uh Sweat's got ten you know, and so when you you know look at it, one guy's got five sacks. The other guy's got five and a half. I mean, the amazing thing about Washington is their defense has gotten worse from last year. It's almost a you almost can't even believe it. But going back to this, I won't go down Washington's road about how bad they are on defense from from last year. But my question is, is Josh Harris going to let Ron Rivera, who's the ultimate in charge guy here in the building and Martin Mayhew? Is he going to let them make any moves? If he thinks he's going to make changes to his coaching staff, why would he do anything? Mm. Why would he allow them to make a trade now?
0: Well, I mean, if he keeps Mayhew, then maybe he allows them to make a trade, but maybe they just wipe everybody out there if they want to move on after the season ends here. But I mean, because – would you want to let this guy walk? I mean, I guess he wouldn't walk for nothing. If he signs a big enough deal, you get the compensatory pick. But if somebody you offers you if He'd somebody...
1: pick for both players. I mean, unless somebody – I mean, now, if somebody offers a number one, yeah. you know, and Mayhu said – you know, now. But really what you're – but now, go tell Ron you're going to trade one of his best pass rushers away for next year when Ron's not guaranteed to be on the team for next year. See, Ron's conflicted. Mm-hmm. See, the job of the GM is to protect the franchise for the future, protect the franchise for the present and the future. When you're the head coach and the general manager, you don't protect it for the future. You want to win today. I'm going to get fired if I don't get a player in here. Well, I think Ron gives one rat's ass about getting a first round pick next year when he's going to be sitting in wherever he lives in the summer where, year round. No, of course not.
0: Well, I'll say Ron. Uh, based on what you've done over the last uh, few years, you have no say in this. Sorry, buddy. Oh, by the way.
1: He's got all the say in the contract. I mean, you can say that, but he's the ultimate decision maker.
0: Man, that's... It's an interesting situation. I'm curious to see if anybody is able to pony up a sizable offer that beats out the compensatory pick. Because Chase Young has been playing pretty good football. He appears to be kind of all the way back to the form that he was prior to all these injuries here. So uh, I'm wondering if one of these contenders who needs pass rush help goes out. I'm not sure. About
1: I'm not sure I agree with you, you on that. I mean, he's getting a lot of pressure. He's getting man, sacks. Meeting your man Pugh for a sack. I mean, look at the numbers of their defense. Have you seen the numbers of their defense? Well, the collect I mean,
0: the collective has been bad, but I mean he's been productive. Well, if you
1: got a great pass rusher, it's kind of hard to get the ball off. I mean, they're 27th and they're 27th in yards allowed. They're 29th in points allowed. They're 23rd in rushing. I mean, last year they were the best third down defense in all of football. This year they're 15th. You know, I mean, they've gotten progressively worse. I mean, I think if somebody offers them a high pick for 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 Young, they'll take it because I'm not sure. Rivera thinks young is as good as everybody in the media thinks he is.
0: All right. Well, I guess uh, maybe he's not, but he's been productive this season, so I thought he would be a pretty solid – and he's pretty young too still. Uh, How about the safeties though? Justin Simmons of Denver, the Broncos, we haven't talked much about them. They said that they're not looking to make calls, which means, hey, please call us. (laughs) Justin Simmons, who's 30 years old, a little bit older, twenty twenty-five free agent, could be a guy on the move. Also, Buddha Baker is an interesting name out there in Arizona, could be on the move as well. I know he's looking for a new contract.
1: I can't see them trading Buddha. I mean, Buddha's okay. the heart and soul of their team. You know, we yeah. know Kyle Murray's practicing. It doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. Why they would put him out there? God only knows. But they will. Uh, I wouldn't trade Buddha. Justin Simmons is. I think. I, what are you going to get for Simmons as a decline? I mean, he's not the same guy after all these yeah. injuries. Yeah, I think that's the hard part. Is he's got name recognition, but he's not the same guy
0: and the safety market so far has been set at least Kevin Byard at like what I think it was a fifth or sixth round pick or so like it was yeah, it, was, it mean, wasn't
1: very great. So. What you do to the building when you do it for that it doesn't work.
0: Let's get to the games to wrap this up here. This is the GM Shuffle on the DraftKings Network. let's get to the week 8 slate here in the National Football League and we'll start Sunday afternoon in the Bay Area which is a fun game here I can't wait to watch this one, Bengals at the 49ers Uh, here I thought that this was going to be all steady and we're all good to go then all of a sudden I got the notification on my phone yesterday Brock Purdy in the concussion protocol so it appears at least as we sit right now we know guys have been taking a week to get through the protocol, it appears we're going to get Sam Darnold starting for the 49ers against the Bengals coming off of the Bye Niners 3.5 point favorites, gone from Five and a half to now three and a half total sitting at 43 and a half.
1: Yeah, I mean, this game for me, uh, I, I love the Niners here. Uh, I know a lot of people like the the Bengals thinking they'll come back. I can't get the Bengals second half against Seattle out of my head. I mean, I know Burrow's great as a, as an underdog. You know, he's 14 and two when he's a dog of three points or more uh, against the spread. And he's really good in that situation. I think this offensive line's problematic for him. And with the line coming down to three and a half, even if Darnold plays, I think that's a good play. Now, nobody gets out of the concussion protocol. I just think people have caught up to this Bengal offense. I mean, think about this, Femi. I mean, Burrow is on this. He he has the same number of 20-yard completions as Daniel Jones has. And he's thrown it seven more times up the field. I mean, this isn't an offense that's really been great. And I think this 49er defense playing at home you know, where they've got ridden really good against the spread at home uh, with Kyle Shanahan. I just think to me, this is, a, this is going to be a tough game for the Bengals. If that offensive line doesn't play, everybody thinks because when they come back from the bye, they're going to start to play better. But going into the bye, I know last year they lost the, the Browns going into the bye. I, I just think this offensive line is not good enough and bad lines don't travel for me. Yeah.
0: And that's the thing, too. It's like that San Francisco defense, you know they're champion at the bit there to get after Joe Burrow. And that old line, I, I worry for Burrow. I know he appears to be healthy, but I worry for him behind that old line against that defensive front there at home. We know they take their level up even higher from a defensive standpoint there. So, yeah, I would roll with the Niners if it were me. Um, I'm, I want to wait more just to see kind of just get a feel before I may, make a bet in that game. How about down in Jerry World, the Rams at the Cowboys? This one I think is a little bit of a tricky matchup here. Uh, McVay, who congrats to Sean McVay, by the way. He and his wife, welcome back. Yeah. Uh, their child and maybe the baby bump for the Rams here in this spot uh, on the road as a six and a half point favorite. But how do you see this playing out?
1: You know, when you watch Pittsburgh's, the second half against Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh defensive line kind of got after them and, and they, they really, they made it hard for Stafford. I mean, he got the crap beat out of them and the left tackle couldn't block anybody. Jackson couldn't block anybody. It was really hard. And when, you know, Stafford's second half, since the start of last year, you know, has been really bad against the second half spread. He's three twelve and one, you know, in the last five years, he's 20, 39 and two against in the second half against the spread. I mean, he's slightly ahead of our man, Baker Mayfield in that category. And when you look at McVeigh, McVeigh's teams tend to start fast, but they tend to fade later because why the injury factor, I mean, I know the Rams are a wonderful story, but I think to me, they're kind of coming back to where we thought they were, you know? And, you know, McVeigh is an underdog. Okay, you know, I think he's got a, you know, he's, whenever it's six points or more, he's 25 and 10 uh, against the spread when you can spread up on, you know, and stuff like that. But I I just think to me, the Dallas def- offensive front and that pro- defensive front, are going to create some problems. I think the longer the game goes, it'll be a problem. And the the Steelers started to run the ball f- effectively in the game. I think McVay will start the game off fast. I think he'll do a good job. But at some point, you know, that's going to be a challenge. And the Cowboys have only allowed thirty-eight points in the second half all year. And the Rams are not a good second-half team.
0: Yeah, I, I do worry, Dallas. I don't know if they're as physical as Pittsburgh up front like that's something that's been a little bit disappointing now maybe that was just the Niners matchup the Niners are just much more physical than the Cowboys but I want to see Dallas be a little bit more physical and be a little more dominant there but and I I agree with what you're saying though about the the pass rushers especially if Dallas is able to get a lead in the second half it could be trouble for Matthew Stafford let's go to the AFC East though Patriots at the Dolphins big spread in this one but there's big news attached to it as well Dolphins right now down to eight and a half point favorites nine and a half over at DraftKings total 46 Tyreek Hill Popped up on the injury report Wednesday with a hip injury. We'll see if he practices today on Thursday. But, man, if Hill were ever not able to go, whew, this could be a little bit tricky for Miami here that's coming off of the loss last week to Philadelphia. Yeah,
1: and I think you got to be careful here. This is, could be a win game. They're reporting 13-mile-an-hour wind here in the game. And crazy. there's a bunch of injuries for when you look over. Forget about, you know, Hill's the significant one. Morissette's injured too. You know, two of their offensive linemen are out for the game. Uh, you know, Connor Williams might come back. Uh, Jalen Waddles got a back injury. They say he's going to play. So there's a lot of things going on. Uh, look, the key is going to be Ken, Ken, the Patriots offensive line, which finally for the first time I thought played really well last week, they moved, um, the big Mike out to right tackle. Il- Ilwanu, mm-hmm. And, you know, Trent Brown was hurt last week on the quarterback sneak in the two point play. But I don't know if he'll play. If he doesn't play, that would be the problem. But to me, when when you're looking at this game, it's tough to ignore how good Tua plays at home and how good he is in these situations. So, you know, I, what I think he's 15 and 5 against the spread at home, and he's 9 and 11 when he has to go on the road. So I think you got to play the home team here. There are a couple games you got to play the home team. I'll tell you a game you got to play the home team hmm. Carolina. I was going to ask you about that only- game. Carolina only has only played two home games all year. And their margin of loss in those two home games are 5.5. Their margin of loss in the road games are 15.5, right? And so I think Texans are a little overvalued, right? I think they are. I mean, the Texans are one of the worst third down defenses in football, right? And they've allowed 351 and 341 yards passing. I think this is a Super Bowl for the Panthers. I really do. You know, I really think this is a Super Bowl. And as much as we may not like Frank Wright, when he's his team's off a of bye, are, are undefeated. They're undefeated off a of bye. And when they're playing at home, they don't, they've don't. they only had two turnovers all year. Think about it. They, they lose to the Saints by three. They turn the ball over against the Vikings and should have won that game, right? They held the Vikings to 265 yards of offense. So I, I, I love what C.J. Stroud's doing. I just don't think it's going to continue on the road all the time. Uh, you know, and the, the, the key for Thomas Brown is the Panthers have only scored six points in the third quarter all year. Last year they had 63, so they're going to come out and play better. I checked the injury report here, but I think getting three is a little bit of an overvalue. If you're, if you're going to bet Carolina, I think, I think that's a good, this number should be like a point, point. I think Houston should be favored, but not by a field goal.
0: I mean, this is usually when Frank Reich's team start to play better. I don't know if he just thinks that the season starts Halloween weekend or what, but uh usually <laughs> by this point they start to play a little bit better. What do you make of that though? Switching the play caller, no longer gonna be Frank Reich to now Thomas Brown, the O. C. calling the plays. Do you think that can give this team a big bump up or is it just kind of we're making too much out of nothing?
1: No, I think it's got I think there's a lot of things going on within that building. And I, I think that Frank's reluctance to make the change, I think they you know, look, they're they're not as bad as they appear on offense, right? I mean You know, every move they've made, I mean, think about this, Miles Sanders, they signed him, and that was supposed to be the great move. He averages 3-1 a carry, and he's got a long run of 15. Chuba Hubbard's the better back. Mm -hmm. Like, every decision they've made, whether it's hire Frank, get rid of Wilks, you know, the other ones have been better. Defensively, they were much better last year than they are this year. Now, they've got to be healthy. I think Chin's injury bothers me, but you know, I mean, I think Frank's got to start – I don't think Frank's in a in a honeymoon year here. Not with a guy who's got billions and billions of dollars. I think they got to turn it over. I think it's a big week for the Panthers.
0: Yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, how about another home dog here? The Steelers hosting the Jaguars. It's two and a half, total 41 over at DraftKings.
1: You know, I mean, look, uh, do I have to read it to you? Mike Tomlin is a home <laughs> dog. He's 16 and 10 straight up, 18-5 and 3, 78.3%. I mean – you know, it, it, he's, he's just too good at the, as a home dog. And, and I think too much has been made about how bad they are on offense. I think Johnson last week in that second half, they actually looked like they moved the football effectively. And for the, for the Jags to be successful, they got to run the ball. Can you run the ball on this team in their nickel? Can you match up? Uh, you know, the one thing Pittsburgh has to do in this game is make it a third down game because if it's a third down game for as good as the Jags are, the Jags are 27th and third down offense, and but the Steelers are going to have to throw the ball to win. Uh, the Jags can play the run really well, and they've got to be able to throw the ball to win. They are actually a team in the league that gets faces more passing attempts than anybody, because people realize they play a front that's hard to run the ball on. You're going to have to throw it to beat them. It's going to be a Kenny Pickett game. I mean, if you like Tomlin, you're counting on Pickett playing well.
0: Big game there in the AFC as well with the playoff implications attached to it. Uh, let's get to a game that is probably not the sexiest on paper, but I think it's interesting. Falcons at the Titans. We're getting a seventh rookie quarterback starting and it is week eight. Michael Will Levis will join the batch of rookie QBs that we've had already this season. And Will Levis is getting three points against Desmond at total 35 and a half.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I was looking at something here. Uh, I think the Falcons, when they play against teams outside of the the NFC, they're like not very good. I think they're 18-28-1 against non-AFC South divisions. So, I mean, you know, and they're not a very good dog team. So, you know, I think the Falcons, I think Ritter can throw the ball on this team. Can they block them? Tart back worries me. And, you know, look, if t- for Tennessee to win with Levis at quarterback, you're counting on Henry having a big day. You're counting on them making a few plays. I do think that I do think that uh he'll play both quarterbacks. I think he'll put Willis in there What's in that? short yardage in some situations where he can get the quarterback in a run pass. How about this for first halves for Ritter? Three points, nine points, seven points, ten points, fourteen points, three points, three points, zero, seven, ten, and ten. I mean, they just don't start fast enough. That's the problem. And they get behind. And then they'd have bad third downs, and so you know, for them to get go, for them to cover in this game, they better play good in the first half.
0: Last game that we get to here in the Pacific Northwest, the Browns are four point underdogs against the Seahawks. Once again, like it'll be four? P.J. Walker. Oh, I I, don't, I think it's a pass for me. It'd be Browns or nothing. I wouldn't lay it, but because you like that defense getting that many points, but I don't know if I want to go to the well with P.J. Walker in in Seattle.
1: Uh, I mean, the, look, that game they covered against Arizona last week and turned the ball over. They really yeah. did. They turned it over. And so, but, you know, Gino is not, this has not thrown the ball as accurately by the numbers and he's turning the ball over more this year. This Browns defense played poorly. I just don't know how they generate points. I really don't. Yeah.
0: It's going to be tough. It's going to be a lower-scoring game, as you see from the total. There, it opened 41.5, now down to 38. We will, of course, recap all of these games coming up on Monday's pod. A lot of games, no bye weeks this week. After we had six teams on bye last week, no bye weeks, so it's going to be maybe eight-game Femi on Sunday. Michael, I will talk to you on there Monday's pod. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to all of you guys. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, and we will see you on Monday.